0: Hey there, welcome to the third episode of A Fit Enable Life. Today's episode we're talking with Kevin Prue of Prue Physical Therapy. Kevin is a physical therapist. He's and he has a long experience with, with working with injured athletes, not only professionally, but from being an injured athlete himself. I don't want to ruin the story, you're gonna hear all, all about it. It's a great talk, especially for those athletes who have been injured or those athletes who want to learn how to avoid being injured. So here we go.
1: Hi. I'm Elisa Rykalathy with Fit and Able Life and we are talking to Dr. Kevin Pru, who is Fit and Able's resident doctor that helps us with our athletes and our events. Um, Good morning. Good morning, how are you? (laughs) Fine, thank you. Well, first of all, I have to say when I first met you, I looked at your name and you had alphabet soup after your name, so can you tell us what your credentials are in your training?
2: Sure. So I'm a licensed physical therapist. Um, I've received my doctorate from Duke University. So the PT stands for physical therapist, the DPT stands for doctor of physical therapy. I know it's kind of redundant, but <laughs> for whatever reason, that's what we like to do in our profession. And then I'm also a certified strength and conditioning specialist, which kind of is what allows me to do work with my athletes and work from like, the sports medicine side, mm-hmm. and so that is the C- CSCS behind my name,
1: and where did you get that certification for strength and?
2: That's for the uh, it's through the National Strength and Conditioning Association. So that's kind of the go-to for anyone who wants to work with athletes from a performance side. That's pretty much you either have it or you don't. And so I got that prior to going to PT school.
1: Okay, all right. Well, one of the things that I found find so interesting about you is that you are a carry mover and shaker. Now that kind of makes you sound like maybe you teach uh, Saturday Night Fever classes.
2: <laughs> and, and I'm <laughs> farthest thing from that for sure. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Tell us about that.
2: So, the Movers and Shakers, it was, uh, I believe it was the first year that we had that this year and it's through the Cary magazine. And it was kind of influential people in the community. I believe it was under the age of 40 and it's, it's people who get out and get involved and, and try to make Cary a better place through business, nonprofit organizations and that sort of thing. So, it, I was definitely honored to be a part of that. Uh, I've only been in Cary for a couple of years so, kind of getting that recognition early on in my practice and being to the community is something I'm definitely proud of.
1: Well, I know that you've been a huge Asset to Fit Enable, which is a, a nonprofit that you dove in and you've been helping us tremendously. Um, one of the things that you have now—you you—you deal with athletes, but you also deal with non-athletes. Absolutely. Um, and so, uh, what are the what's a different kind of what kind of things you see in athletes versus non-athletes?
2: So, sure. And well, let me start off by saying this: I, I consider an athlete anyone who participates in any kind of regular activity. Now, we have our are kind of recreational athletes who just go out to the gym once or twice a week or participate in a yoga class or run once or twice and then I have my competitive athletes and that's my high school, college professional guys. Um, But from, from that kind of competitive athlete to that recreational just active individual or someone who's interested in kind of starting some kind of fitness program, There's definitely a motivation to get back to a specific set of goals and in a short period of time with my athletes, my competitive guys. Right. I think in my high school athletes, their seasons are so short and they cramp so much in in the short period of time that if they miss two or three weeks, they basically miss their entire season. So we're on a very tight timeline when we're working with them versus someone who's just trying to get back into running or kind of dealing with a little bit of ankle pain because they just started running again. Obviously, they want to get back and that's why they're coming to see me, right. but there's not that urgency to, hey, we have two weeks, so otherwise we're going to lose out this entire season and that can come down to a college scholarship or not for mm-hmm. some of my high school guys. Right. So that, that's one of the big things that I kind of keep in mind when I'm working with the different population bases. Mm-hmm.
1: Now, when you deal with a non-athlete too, are you dealing with people that are struggling with activities of daily living, trying to get back into... Sure. Recovery from surgery or an accident of some kind? Yeah,
2: absolutely. Um, I actually don't see too many post-op or after surgery patients here and I think part of that's because I'm new and I haven't really developed a ton of relationships with orthopedic surgeons yet and the majority of my patients kind of come to me first for an evaluation and then a lot of times we can kind of treat their problem without even going the surgical route. But um, we do treat the activities of daily living. We do have things that if someone's just having trouble getting up out of bed. You know, just a lot of shoulder pain, a lot of stiffness, something like that. We we absolutely work with them and, and work towards just starting to move towards a healthier lifestyle. A lot of times when people are coming to me with those types of problems, getting in and out of the car, getting up out of bed, there's other factors that are involved, whether it's diet, exercise or lack thereof, sleep problems, Right. some of that stuff we do try to address and so we take that small problem that they started having, that's why they came to see me. And it kind of spider it out into this bigger lifestyle change
1: right well, as any health professional that deals with lifestyle change, I know it 's a really a big struggle to get people to make that jump to change, um, and getting people especially moving physical activity, getting people that are sedentary into a, a, a routine movement of some kind do you have, um, do you have patients where you 've been successful with getting that happen where you know that they were very sedentary and after working with you and working through things that they you know started walking two or three times a week for a few minutes
2: absolutely and so Mm -hmm. I think the the most important thing is they have to want to make that change they have to be committed to it and I think when they make that phone call to me or my office they've already made that decision that they, they know something's wrong and they want to change something so that's the first big step and then the second step is Make sure we can kind of show them goals that are reasonable, things that they can accomplish and are tangible so, hey, if you're not doing any walking at all, let's not make this huge goal of seven days a week. Let's say, let's two times a week and hold them accountable and they hold themselves accountable and and I'll check in with them. So if I saw them on the first week of the month, if it's two or three weeks later and I still haven't seen them, I'll shoot them an email or a phone call and say, how many miles have you gotten in this week or how many times have you gotten up? And most of the time people are, I'm I'm there, I've done it two times, I've done it it three times this week, and every so often it's kind of like, oops, I forgot, you you still have two days, you still have Saturday, Sunday, so go get it done. (laughs) And so that accountability is huge, and and just I think that's why I like the nature of my practice where it's very personable, I can take the time to make those phone calls and do some of that stuff, and it's a very community kind of atmosphere is what we're going for, and my patients know that their goals are just as important to them as they are to me. Right. And so I think that's a huge way to get them to move from sedentary to at least in that right direction of activity.
1: Right. And so it's nice that you're dealing with that on an individual basis. You don't have a rubber stamp of what people should be doing. That's that's I'm sure, you know that's helpful. Well, have there ever been a time in your life personally that you have not felt fit and
2: able? <laughs> so, fortunately so my background I played college baseball and, and I played a bunch of sports growing up and I was always very active. So I would say fit was always something I kind of shot for and was kind of needed. I had dreams of being a professional baseball player and that sort of thing. But… Um, what team? It didn't matter. <laughs> it's, a, it's, a, it's a business. Whoever wanted me, i take them. Um, but uh, the reality is I, I had uh, elbow reconstruction my mm-hmm. freshman year of college. and I had a rotator cuff surgery my senior year of college when I was kind of making the decision of what I wanted to do. Did I want to try and work out some of these pro teams I got invited to work out with and, and things like that. but so able not as much when when i was kind of casted up and, and really braced with my elbow reconstruction in particular it, it was you know 3 months in and casts and braces and i couldn't throw for 7 months and being on the field watching my teammates do things especially your freshman year in college when me, I went to college to play baseball. I, I didn't even know what I wanted to study while I was there. <laughs> so so I felt very unable yeah. and so that was a very frustrating process and that's actually how I got into PT is I had a great physical therapist with me in, in Philadelphia when I was going to school and just kind of learning more about the profession and, and the things that they can accomplish and do. And right. So going from the can't even move my arm at all to back on the mound throwing was going from that unable to able and I kind of said, wow, that made a huge difference in my life And That's how I ended up here kind of.
1: Well, it's interesting because what you're also touching on there too is not the physical part, but there is a real emotional, mental aspect to that too in recovery. Did you have help in dealing with that or just you were able to deal with it on your (laughs) own and how does that, that experience Help you with dealing with injured athletes now.
2: Sure. So I mean, my parents and family were a great support staff, and my teammates, as much as they kind of jabbed at me and joked and said, "Why don't you just learn to throw left-handed?" And <laughs> I mean, it was a good atmosphere, and being around the team and that sort of stuff was great. From at least I could get a taste of baseball, which is what I really wanted. But there, there were some tough times, and you kind of felt like you'd never get there. And everyone keeps telling you, "Oh, give it another six months." And when you're 18 years old, six months feels like six years. So. I definitely understand that and I think it's from a practitioner's standpoint trying to separate that former athlete in my mind to being a clinician just understanding what an 18-year-old's going through if they had an ACL surgery after whatever happened in basketball or running or things like that and just and just being able to kind of communicate with them that hey I've been in your shoes you know, two or three years down the road, once we've we've gotten you recovered and you're back playing and things are going well, you're not going to remember that four-month recovery process. Right. And so, just being able to kind of get inside their heads and know where they're coming from, I think allows me to connect with that age group really, really well. And that even translates to older adults, I mean, people that want to do things with their kids and coach and that sort of stuff and they're limited by whatever back pain, just kind of knowing, hey, I, I understand you have these goals. Again, I've been there, I've been in those shoes where you want to do something you feel like you're capable of and your body's just not letting you. Trust me, trust the process and we'll we'll get you where you want to be.
1: Right. Now, for for, uh, student athletes that are in college, that four-year time, one of the nice things is the eligibility. If you have to sit out a season. You can always go a fifth year to college if you could right. afford the tuition. Right, right, right. <laughs> and add that fifth year on there, you'll get a dance degree or something. something yeah, right. Take right. so, some fun electives. Some, some minors, you know. <laughs> but, um, you know, it, the it, it, there is a lot of stress on college kids, you know, about performing and getting in that that athletic you know mode right off the bat entering freshman year mm-hmm. and it does distract kids um from their academics which Absolutely. you know is in fact why they were there <laughs>
2: <laughs> right. yes that, that whole that thing you're spending a lot of money on yeah. that education degree <laughs> <Yeah>. yes
1: <laughs> so but it, 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 i could see that it would be uh, you know cause a little bit or a lot of anxiety for and, and distraction for a young athlete that you know their dream is being sort of Washed away from them,
2: yeah, and then you add in you know the scholarship athletes where a lot of they're starting to make transitions yeah. to where you get four year scholarships, no matter what, but originally they were kind of these year by year scholarships, so if you were hurt, you couldn't perform I mean they kind of take that scholarship away from you it didn't happen very often, but that threat's always out there, right. and as an eighteen year old kid you're worried about paying for college and you have this nice opportunity, and now you 're hurt, so you're going to try and play through that injury so you can perform and keep your scholarship and and do all those things so there's a lot of anxiety going on with with my young athletes and and again just kind of being in their shoes previously I know what they're going through so it makes it really easy to connect with them.
1: Well and also because you're dealing with young athletes, um, high schoolers and young college students too, um, do you also have to Sort of help with the psyche of parents and dealing with those same worries. You know, yeah. that don't, you know the parents that hear Olympic music in their ears and <laughs> things like
2: that. Yeah, that's a completely different animal <laughs> to deal with. But uh, there's, I, I think attacking it with parents, I try to attack from the injury prevention side a little bit more, mm-hmm. and, and talking about you know proper mechanics from an early age and and not overdoing things and. And stopping those injuries before they happen because ultimately that's kind of a parent's worst nightmare as well is they've invested all this time and, and Money and and love and care into their child's Dream of whatever it is whether it's making the high school varsity team playing in college playing professionally and you're scared to death that your kids something's gonna happen to them and so just kind of communicating I think communication is key with anybody and any group of people but right, we uh we definitely want to work with with parents, and sometimes conversations happen with parents and children. Mm-hmm. Sometimes they happen with just the parents, sometimes they happen with just the children, and, and just making sure everyone's on the same page on what the goals are.
1: Right. Well, um, I'm glad you touched on that because what are a few of the main causes of injury that you
2: deal with? Yeah, so my practice, primarily, we, we get a lot of overuse injuries. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's either poor mechanics, lack of strength, stability, or mobility, somewhere along the lines. Or it's just doing too much of the same repetitive activity. So I kind of go back to my baseball background, throwers, if they're throwing every day at these high velocities and high intensities and, and they're doing it with poor mechanics, poor shoulder stability and other kind of factors, they're going to set themselves up for some sort of overuse injury. Right. I think of my runners as well. We, we talk about runners as being kind of these crazy on, on the far wing of things where they, they have knee pain, ankle pain, it doesn't really matter, they're going to go out and run. It can be rainy, it can be snowing. And so, again, if you're running with poor mechanics or poor hip stability and control, you're going to set yourself up for some knee problems or ankle problems. They may not be severe, but it's enough to linger for a while and that that constant lingering is going to make you change your mechanics even more because you're going to try and compensate and so that can lead to some of those more serious injuries. So I always try to address get on a good training program, have someone look at your mechanics no matter what sport it is to make sure you're, you're doing the things the right way. And then even if you're a runner and you think that you just want to run and have that cardiovascular endurance, don't ignore that strength training and that stability and mobility aspect of having a nice fit body.
1: Right. Well it's interesting that when I guess Coach K came up with the dynamic stretching rather than static stretching before performance and training and all that and we started incorporating um, when we we started incorporating um, that into. Other sports like I brought into track and field and cross country, that we found that we really also had to watch how people did those drills too. Because if they were learning these drills and doing having poor mechanics, we were actually injuring Mm -hmm. our athletes before they even got onto the playing
2: field. (laughs) It's it's so true. I mean, you you think about we we learn these, I call them motor (laughs) patterns, but coordination, things like that, where you can develop a bad habit very, very quickly. Mm -hmm. And it's really, really hard to unlearn that bad habit. And so, It's so much easier to spend three minutes really focusing on when your athlete's going through this dynamic warm up than it is to take four months after they've injured themselves because they've learned this poor movement pattern through their dynamic warm up and now we're trying to correct it. So it's so important and like you said, the dynamic stretching beforehand, I think that's becoming a little bit more mainstream and, and people are understanding that but that kind of long hold stretch that we used to do growing up in gym class and things like that is really ideal for after right? and so getting that heart rate up and getting the joints moving and all those things through a dynamic warm up are one of the best ways to help prevent some of these injuries.
1: Yeah, it sort of lubricates your body and gets it ready for motion and you know I I really liked it and I found even though… Maya, I, I did not become an athlete until I was in college, and I wasn't a great athlete. I just realized I could move. There you go. Yes, it's <laughs> so, a great feeling. It's a great feeling, but the, um, and we'll talk about that on a later podcast, Sure. <laughs> the, uh, but I, I never did do the uh, static stretching before running, mm-hmm. even though I was marathoning and uh, doing Ironman distance events, and so I was delighted when... It sort of became more into the mainstream of leg swings and you know just sure. jumping, just even more movement for warming up. Yep. And I always did the static stretching afterwards, which I felt just comforting. I mean, the static stretching—I hoped it helped, but yep. I knew it felt comforting to do it.
2: Sure. <laughs> you know, so you're you're ahead of the curve even I, right I, there.
1: I, well, or just you're know, totally missing the ball, <laughs> <laughs> one or the other. So. Um, so then in prevention, which you've already covered, it, prevention is actually pretty easy. I mean, you, it's easier to prevent your injuries.
2: That's I'm always a big proponent of it's easier to prevent than it is to recover. And it doesn't mean you can prevent every injury out there. Right. But um, you know, I, I kind of like the thought process of we get our, our teeth checked annually by a dentist from a preventative standpoint. We get blood pressure checked. We get all these kind of major health things checked. But most people don't really, we get a physical, but when you think about a physical, it's kind of height, weight, heart rate, that sort of stuff, make right. sure there's nothing glaring at you. But not a lot of people go get a musculoskeletal kind of checkup annually. And so that's something I'm kind of trying to push, especially with my, my high school athletes because that's a great place to start with and that age group kind of learn behavior. Right. But coming mm-hmm. into a place like mine or other clinics that do these you know, 10, 15 minute screens where we can look at strength, stability, mobility, and kind of track progress as a student or, or athlete or, or human grows and ages and we can check things as they have these certain cut points. And if a problem starts to arise or we start saying seeing, you know, hey, your hip mobility's really decreased over the last couple of years, maybe that's something we need to take a look at to prevent some hip arthritis down the line. All right. And so I think that's going to be something that's more mainstream 5, 10 years from now. But it's something that it kind of makes sense to me, especially being a physical therapist and and working with active people. But I don't think most people think of their joints and their ligaments and muscles as something that that needs to be checked regularly. They only get checked when there's a problem. And and I would like to kind of reverse that curve and get into that preventative medicine side just like we have with other areas of healthcare.
1: Right. Well, it just means educating people. Yeah. It's It's an education. You're an educator.
2: Yep. And, yeah. and I think that's I think that's one of the most valuable and underutilized aspects of any healthcare. It's it's patient education and, and letting people understand what's happening with their body, why it's happening, and then what can they do to manage it at home so they're not so reliant on healthcare providers themselves. Right. I, I think that's the best thing and so working with coaches and trainers and, and other people and just kind of saying, Well, if you're working with this person on a regular basis, here are things that I would look for in the clinic. This is what you can look for, and so we can stop some of these problems before they occur. And if something does kind of seem a little out of of touch, that's when we can kind of step in and and help out.
1: Right. Now, you mentioned earlier that sometimes you do get cases that are just not for, you know, for you you to deal with sure, and I'm sure it flip flops that you get cases where you say you really need to see a surgeon, and then you see them back after surgery. Some, so, yeah. so, but the um, what, what basically what, what, the majority of cases you see, what kind of injuries are you actually seeing?
2: So, the majority of things I see, there are these kind of traumatic or, or overuse injuries. That my most common, I do a lot of shoulders with my background um, in baseball, a lot of knees, ankles, hips from mm-hmm. my runners and in that kind of population. But it's generally sports and orthopedic injuries, so something that you would think first gut, I need to go see an orthopedist for, that's the kind of stuff that I'm starting to get some traction with where people are just coming to see me first anyway. You kind of think about the typical healthcare system, you get hurt, you see your primary care, primary care syndrome, orthopedist more often than not, the orthopedist sends you to PT anyway, right. so we're trying to eliminate time and cost by just just go see the PT first and then I can kind of determine, yes, I can help you, no, I can't, this is the person you need to go see instead of me. In um, some of those cases, things like even some things that we thought had to be operated on, like rotator cuff tears or meniscus tears, Mm -hmm. the more research that comes out, it's finding that conservative treatment and strengthening and that sort of stuff, the the PT work that I do is just as effective, if not more effective than surgery and so you're not going under the knife and going through those kind of risks and complications as well.
1: Right. Um, well, the um, I, and I, the thing is, I, I've sent my athletes to you and mm-hmm. they have had great success and they love coming to you and, and have benefited from your advice and your guidance through their healing process. Um, so what does being fit and able mean to you in terms of your patients? You said earlier what it meant to you. Sure. But what does it mean to you in terms of your patients? And how do you feel like you help these people, your patients? Do you call them patients or I call, clients?
2: I call them So if they're coming to me with an injury, I call them patients. If they're coming to me from a performance standpoint, I call them clients. But they're people, reality. So <laughs> I, I call them my friends, my <laughs> my, my uh, potential customers, I guess.
1: <laughs> so how, how, when, how do you help your people?
2: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um,
1: your people become fit and able.
2: Yeah, so I think that... There's no one right answer to this question. I think everyone's goals are different and whatever they need is is kind of what I try to help them with. Mm-hmm. Um, I've done things as far as just talking about nutrition with, with some of your athletes and things that they can do for post-workout, pre-workout. Um, we've done some of the injury prevention screenings with them and gotten to talk about a little bit about mechanics and that sort of stuff, but in general, I think Fit and Able is... If you, can you can you get up and move a little bit? I mean, the recommended guidelines are it's 30 minutes of exercise, five days a week. You know, mm-hmm. kind of this moderate exercise. And to me, that's great. And I think if someone can shoot for that goal, that's awesome. But I want someone to go for their goal. So if if it's their first 5K and accomplishing that, that's fit and able to me from, right. from my standpoint. Mm-hmm. If someone's goal is to just get down the stairs without pain and they can do that, and we accomplish that. They are fit and able. And so, it's whatever someone's trying to accomplish, we try to help them get there. And so, sometimes that takes a lot of visits with me and a lot of time and a lot of energy and other things are a little bit quicker fixes. And so, I think as long as we can keep your athletes working on a regular basis with you, I think you guys do a great job keeping people in line and keeping them on the right path. So, I'm definitely happy to be a part of the team.
1: Well, you are an important part of our team because we you write for us and um, our athletes love your articles. And so now that we are in the uh, World Series,
2: yes.
1: <laughs> do you have a favorite team?
2: I don't. Um, so being kind of so close to it, it, I don't have a favorite team that I root for. I have a lot of friends that are kind of kicking around the major leagues and different levels of professional baseball. And... Matt Harvey, who actually pitched last night, is someone I played against in high school and growing up. So I watched him throw last night. How did he and look to you? He's he's a, he's one of the best pitchers in baseball. I mean, <laughs> yeah. So so I mean it's he's doing great things there, and I mean if I had to pick, I, I would say the Royals. I think are going to win the series, and winning that first game last night is is probably going to put me in a good position to be right on that. But we will see. There's a few more games to play, so. I enjoy watching it and I will keep watching it.
1: Well, that's it. thank you so much for being with us. You're such an asset to Fit Enable. And, and I know you'll be joining us on other podcasts too. So we really appreciate your time and effort and what you do for our athletes.
0: I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much.
1: That's
0: good <laughs> you know, Kevin has been such an asset to Team Fit Enable. He has so much expertise and he loves helping our athletes. He said that it's easier to prevent than it is to recover. And to help you with that, I'm linking to a bunch of his core and stretching and dynamic warmup videos in the show notes. If you have any questions about something that you might feel is a concern, you know, feel free to shoot him an email. And again, if you have questions that you'd like us to answer on the show, you know, shoot us an email. There's a form on the website. Please check it out. And if you like. Uh, what we're doing here, please drop us a, a comment or a review on iTunes. And don't forget get to subscribe or uh, to iTunes or YouTube, whether you're watching us there. And uh, until next time,